They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com and iTunes? It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. What's going on, Johnny Mita? How are you, brother? I feel pretty good, buddy. You got to feel good after that that huge win on Sunday. I know, brother. I know, I know, I know. On a personal level, though. What's up? How you been? All right. You got some stuff coming up this weekend. I want you to I want you to dive into that for our listeners that might not be aware. Yeah. So this weekend uh, we're doing a fundraiser benefit my beautiful fiance uh, at the Great American Pub at seven p.m. It's going to be uh, well. It's, we named it Share for Shauna, and uh, it's just a fundraiser uh, for her. Uh, people that don't know the story, uh, my fiance was diagnosed uh, at first. She had brain surgery. Uh, at the beginning of May, and then she's also been diagnosed with brain cancer. So just a fundraiser that one of our wonderful friends has put together. Uh, her sister's been hugely involved, her sister Taryn, in the process, and uh, we're looking to raise a lot of money for her and just so that she can handle some of the medical costs that go with this, which uh, some people don't even know how expensive this can be. But um, it's going to be a great turnout. Looking forward to seeing a lot of friends, a lot of family. And just to celebrate her um, for everything she is to a lot of people in their lives. So I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, looking forward to seeing several of our listeners will be there. So uh, that'll be great. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Well, you're a good man, Johnny Mead, and she's awesome too, especially for putting up with you. She is the, de- <laughs> she is the, she is the definition of a better half, my friend. <laughs> I appreciate it. For sure. That gets both ways up, buddy. Easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump right into it. The Eagles get back on track. Four and two, much nicer than three and three. And how about three and oh at home for the Philadelphia Eagles? When's the last time they started three and oh at home? Man, you are not kidding. It's been a while since we've had that home field advantage. It's kind of nice that then we're kind of getting back to the good old days. When I say the good old days like in the early two thousands were you couldn't just come in our house and push us around. And they've, they've been good at home. And it's just, listen, any time we home, the car ride home is just a hundred times better. Yeah, Everybody's laughing. You don't have to worry about the week ahead. You really don't care about work Monday. You think about it a little bit. But when, when you lose, it's like, Jesus, this is going to be the longest week until they can <laughs> Until they can write the ship. I think I think you uh, you maybe incidentally transition this well because you know it's talking about the home field advantage. Really, you talk about the defense, the Jim Johnson led defense that teams didn't want to come to Philadelphia because the crowds on you, and the defense was going to lay the wood, and you knew it wasn't going to be an easy day. It was going to be a long Sunday most Sundays. The Jim Johnson, Andy Reid era, the heyday, at least of our generation, of, of Philadelphia Eagles football. And even prior to that, you know, buddy ball with the defense that would literally, 
you know, break your neck if they had to. So on, on Sunday, Sam Bradford, Sam, my boy, found out the hard Damn. way what it's like to be yeah. on the other sideline. Six sacks for the Eagles D. Bradford's, uh, you know, very average day of 224, um, you know, passing yard. I mean, look, he, he was – he was getting smacked around, and and that was the key to the game. I thought they got after him early. We didn't have to wait for a fourth quarter pass rush. It was all four quarters. You know, Jim Schwartz obviously knew what the playbook was against his former quarterback, essentially, and Sam Bradford. I thought Bradford would have the upper hand if you told me who's got the advantage, Eagles D that knows him or the quarterback that knows the D. I would have thought it would have been the quarterback, but it didn't matter if he knew what was coming, what what blitz was coming, whatever, where they were coming from, because the line couldn't hold up, and the Vikings line just overmatched by the Eagles' defense. Twenty-one ten, the final. Birds are now four and two. Yeah, it was it was a terrific game plan. He kind of got it, you know. Jim Schwartz kind of got out of his comfort zone. We talked about it before. Like he's not a defensive coordinator that likes to blitz. But he brought everything but the kitchen sink. He was blitzing cornerbacks. He was blitzing both safeties. Rodney McLeod, Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, a good game out of Connor Barman. It was nice to see yep. him you know, make a play here and there. It was also good to see Michael Kendricks. Probably had the best game of his season. So he really brought the pressure. All the, all the commentators out there, the, the Chris Collinsworth, the John Gruden that we're talking about, you know, how terrific Sam Bradford and what he's done with this Minnesota offense. And we've seen it firsthand here. We know Sam Bradford. If you put pressure on him, if you knock him down early, he's going to fold like a house of cards. And that's what happened. So it, it was great. On the other side of the thing, yeah. Let's let's get in. Ball, let's get yeah, into let's, the concern. Uh, you know, yeah. not often you win a game where you give up one touchdown. It comes in the final minute. Basically, are there concerns? But let's be honest yeah. here: the turnovers, the penalties, the shoddy offensive line play at times, and boy, wonder a quarterback, the ginger Jesus, the ginger general. <clears throat> you know, his mechanics were off. And look, all all we heard during training camp as they were working with Carson Wentz, was that he, he sometimes he gets a little excited and his throws are high. I think we saw that the first preseason game. Then we didn't see yeah. him again until the opener, and it looked like everything had been ironed out, even though he'd been out three weeks with a rib injury. I mean, it was unbelievable the strides he made from camp to the regular season opener. Granted, it was the Browns, but big win. They go 2-0, and dismantling the Bears. Then they hammer time the Steelers. Uh, I had this guy in the Hall of Fame. You had had him in the Hall of Fame from the day he was drafted. So what's going on right now? I mean, how this football team, and it's not just Carson Wentz, the Eagles literally beca- uh, became unwatchable during the bye week. I mean, they make me sick, and they won the game 21-10. to 10. I wanted to puke for half the contest. I couldn't even get excited because every time – you know, it was a turnover, it was a missed block, it was another penalty, it was three and out, and they won the game by 11 points, and here they are four and two. But let's just, let's, let me calm down for a second. Carson Wentz, the mechanics, uh, the the feet not being set, whatever it is, causing passes to sail over re- receivers' heads, it's a real concern right now. It's a real concern. He is, you know, that was just another game where he was going through those rookie those rookie mistakes. Just he's gonna have those games where he's just unsettled. 
there's no doubt in my mind when Lane Johnson got suspended after you know having a, a rookie offensive tackle in there, it's just going to make him feel a little uneasy. The other thing is the receivers aren't doing a good job of getting separation, so using you know all of their mechanics and their fundamentals to get open. They just they're a lot of times he's holding on to the ball because nobody's getting open, and that's also a problem. I think what they need to do moving forward is, I think, and you said it before, Joe, I think they need to get him in a rhythm early. And what I mean, when I say that, what I mean is make some easy passes for him. Yes. Some slam passes, some screens. Um, Our screen game is real effective, and then they've gone away from it. And it's like, that's always been a staple in this type of offense. It was a staple in Andy Reid's offense. and it's definitely one in Peterson. So they just got to get him comfortable, let him make a couple of easy throws. I think over the last couple of weeks, I think he just tried to hit on the home run too much a little bit. He just kind of went for, you know, trying to make the bigger play as opposed to what he was doing before in the previous week is weeks is just, you know, taking what the defense gives him. Yep. I think if they can get back to that, get him in a rhythm, never abandon the run. That's the other thing. Make sure that we can just, you know, keep running the ball effectively. We have a decent stable of running backs. That should never be forgotten. And I think if they can do those two things, sure, is he going to have his ups and downs? Absolutely. He's a rookie. But just try to simplify things for him, and I think we're going to be okay. I don't I don't think the moment ever gets too big for him, which is certainly a good sign. I think yeah. that he, you know, and and he, he found a way to win on Sunday, which it wasn't pretty. But he got it done, dropping snaps, fumbling the football, bad handoff to Sproles. I mean, you, it's a laundry list. It, again, it was there were parts of that game, and, and this is really almost an indictment on the entire NFL. There are going to be times where the NFL is so unwatchable with the flags and the drop passes and the missed tackles where you're just like, you think it should be easy, and it's just painful to watch sometimes. So for the Eagles, I just would really love to see him clean it up for Sunday night because – First place in the damn divisions at stake, and I would. You're going to Dallas. They're coming off a bye. If you don't show up ready to play and play a clean game, you're gonna get your doors blown off. I, that's the reality. That is the absolute reality. I think. Darren Sproles only two catches. You know when Josh Huff leads your team four grabs for 39 yards. It was a miserable offensive day. Yet they found a way to yeah. win. I'd like to see more of the three tight end stuff. We heard so much about it. Where has it been? Yeah. I know they. I I understand that Selleck and Ertz or Burt. Somebody has to stay in and block because Big V stinks. I get it, but Jason Kelsey is having another average season at best. Jason Peters didn't finish the game. You know when Matt Tobin's in there, look, you're going to be in for a longer day. That's just the reality of the situation. So I'd like to see them again. Find a way to get Darren Sproles involved more. You touched on it. Find a way to run the football. Just play a clean game. I'm talking five penalties or less Sunday night against the Cowboys. I'm talking limiting the turnovers. I'm talking finding a way to make some big plays when you have to make them. And maybe Carson Wentz can pull this one out down there Sunday night in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of said it really well what they need to do. That's going to be huge. And I think the other thing that's going to be enormous is finding a way to just slowing down Dallas's rookie running back, Ezekiel Elliott, because the kid has rushed for 130 yards, four straight games, 
Uh, we were able to hold Minnesota, I think, under 100 yards rushing, yeah. which is fantastic. I think they might have had 89 on the game, something in that area. 27 carries, 93 yards, it looks like, factoring in right. uh, you know, right. Bradford's minus one rushing yard, and, and, and right. Hillman apparently touched the ball. I don't remember that. But you're right, dude. Look, the bottom line is... And Betty it, Logan's out, too. Yeah. He's the Eagles' best run defender. Look. But they just... Got to find a way. Jason Garrett is dumb enough, and I mean this with all sincerity. He is dumb enough to not just run the ball all game. Because if the Cowboys were smart, they would probably just pound the rock and pound the rock and pound the rock and then hit Cole Beasley on some lame-ass slant pass and then away he goes. I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, that's what I'm looking for. But Jason Garrett is literally that dumb. We've seen him do it with Tony Romo, where he drops him back to pass 60 times for no reason. Now, will he do that with Dak Prescott? Remains to be seen, but the division is at stake. You can send the early message to the NFC East that you are for real with a win Sunday night in Dallas. Now, look, they've, they're coming off the bye. They've had all this time to prepare, but will they show some rust early? We saw it when the Eagles came off their bye week. They started slowly. Minnesota came off their bye week. Boy, did they start slowly. If Dallas starts slowly on Sunday night, you got to capitalize. No doubt. No doubt. Des Bryant coming back, allegedly, for this football game. I don't want to say I'm excited that Des Bryant is back, but I'm pretty excited because they're they're rolling right now, Dallas. The bye week maybe slows them down. And getting back a selfish diva wide receiver, if there's ever a time where you don't want a guy coming back like this, it's when you're already playing well. Yeah, and if he's not getting the ball, well, he just starts screaming at Dak Prescott, give me the damn ball, and have one of his – one of his episodes and blow up. On I'd the love sideline. it. I'd love Just it. It's like we've seen Odell Beckham do through the course of this year. That would be fantastic. Can we spend a moment, Johnny May, before I get your prediction on the Cowboys game? Can can you can sure. you try and verbalize your hatred for the Cowboys? <laughs> ah, it, it goes back. It's deep, man. And <laughs> I think the hatred for the Cowboys just—it's just their fan base. Because I—I I, I can honestly say, Joe. I don't think I've ever met a genuine Cowboys fan. All the Cowboys fans, I mean, well, how'd you start liking the Cowboys? Well, you know, they were so good in the 90s, and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman. I've never heard them be like, yeah, well, I'm from Dallas. I haven't found the Cowboys since the 70s. I've never met that person. <laughs> and, just, and just the way they talk and how they just relive their Super Bowl titles. And I get it. Listen, would I love the Eagles to have some titles? No doubt about it. But, you know, that's past history. But it's just, when they've been called America's team, they just, and Jerry Jones. I think that's the other thing. Jerry Jones is one of the most fake-looking, he's just an idiot. I, I can't stand him. He's had more surgeries than Josh Gabor. He's disgusting, <laughs> and and he's and the, the thing about him is some of the players that he has taken on to, like when he signed Greg Hardy last year, yeah, the guy that pretty much was involved in one of the nastiest uh, domestic violence disputes you'll ever see, but the girl was too afraid to prosecute to to take a stand against him because she probably just settled out of court for millions of dollars. When he signed that bum who got arrested for cocaine possession, it was just, he's just ridiculous. I can't stand Jerry Jones. I can't stand the Cowboys. Never liked them. It's just pure venom. And there's two teams in the NFL. I was talking about this about uh, on Sunday with somebody. 
I'm like, there's two teams that I can't stand. I'm like, there's the Cowboys and the Steelers, and they're pretty close. I mean, they're like 1A and 1A, man. Yeah. It's hard to distinguish who I can't stand yeah. for. I, I think I put the Giants in there with the Cowboys as far as just pure venom and hatred. But I'd love yeah. nothing more to go down there Sunday night, have the Philadelphia Eagles roll into town, come out of there with a division lead, um, you know, essentially holding yeah. the tiebreaker, uh, being yeah. a game clear at least of the Redskins, and possibly two or more games clear of the, of the Giants. So, you know, there's an opportunity here with, you know, Poopy Peterson wants to put his stamp on this thing in year one. This is a signature game. This is one of those games you go down there, you play solid defense, you play smart football, you play a quote-unquote road-style game, and you come out of there with a W. It's as plain and simple as that. I hate the Cowboys. I hate Dallas. For the most part, I hate the whole stinking state of Texas. I hate their fans. hate their owner. hate their ginger coach. I can't stand Des Bryant. I don't even like the look at him. Tony Romo's the biggest fraud quarterback in the last two decades in the NFL. I mean, you, you go down the list. Jason Witten... That guy has killed us for years. I hate that guy. Cole Beasley, he's a rat. He's an absolute rat. Can't stand him. All right? All those bum defensive backs they have, they've had over the years, can't stand him. Am I missing anybody? Nah, Miles Austin. Hated Miles Austin when he was there. Uh, yeah. They're I just, hate the Cowboys. I'm with you, buddy. Let's, Let's get it going on Sunday. What's your prediction? What do you got, Johnny Mead? How do they get it done? It is going to be, um, in order for the Eagles to win this game, they're going to have to hold Dallas to 17 points. My prediction is that the Eagles will find a miracle way. Carson Wentz will scrape off that rookie Ross, and I think he's going to prove to the world why he's the best rookie quarterback in this class. And I think the Eagles are going to find a way to upset those Cowboys. And I think the final score of the game, it's going to be Eagles 24, Cowboys 17. I love it. I got Eagles 63, the cockroaches nothing. <laughs> oh, man. That's Suck cool, on that man. one, Cowboys. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Joe, real quick. Did clean you football, the, uh... brother. Clean football. I want a clean game. Keep Wentz clean. Limit the flags. Run the ball. Darren Sproles making some plays. How about Ertzy, babe? Where's my boy Ertzy, babe? Zach Ertz, please, God, show up on Sunday night. And Jordan Matthews, who has been quiet now for two games, had that overtime touchdown catch last year in Dallas. I would love nothing more than to see Jordan Matthews find the end zone once or twice on Sunday night. Absolutely. For sure. By the way, by the way, I hate Troy Aikman. He was miserable on the broadcast on Sunday, Eagles-Vikings. He stinks if he's with Tom Brenneman, if he's with that bum Joe Buck. I hate them all. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> all right, what do you got? What do you got for me? Well, no, I mean, I think uh, you know, recent news has been reported by all the radio stations that we're still talking about the Eagles here is that there's been, you know, we've gotten alerts on the phone. They've been talking about it all day today in the city is that the Eagles are interested in trying to acquire a new weapon for Carson Wentz. Yeah. The two names that have been coming up are Torrey Smith from San Francisco and Alshon Jeffrey from Chicago. My question to you, Joe, is who do you want? And what I, do you want to give up for? I, I don't like in-season NFL trades. I feel like they never work out. 
I mean, neither of these guys, this might sound like a very general and maybe even boneheaded statement. I feel like either of those guys, Torrey Smith or Alshon Jeffrey, do not come in and make the Eagles more than marginally better immediately. I really feel like this. if you make this move, either of them, regardless of what you give up, I feel like it's a move for next year more than anything. And maybe maybe I'm wrong yeah. there. Torrey Smith's a nice deep threat. Obviously, Chip Kelly knows the Eagles well, so he wants something. Uh, he knows what he's getting because Smith's with the 49ers and obviously Chip Adelphi is out there now. As for Alshon Jeffrey, hasn't been the Alshon Jeffrey we saw break onto the scene a couple years ago. The Bears are miserable. They're looking to cut ties and probably pick up a slew of draft picks would be my guess. I would say, obviously, obviously the asking price for Jeffrey is probably going to be double what it is for Torrey Smith. I just don't know that either guy comes in in week seven, week eight, week nine, whenever it is, and makes you that much better immediately. It's just so hard for guys, I feel like, and you don't see it that often in the National Football League. If it was that easy to just get a guy and bring him in and your offense, boom, you know, an extra dimension dynamically, teams would do it all the time. We just don't see a lot. Now, Grant, there have been more trades lately, I feel like, than than five, ten years ago in the NFL. I just don't know that it makes them that much better immediately. I think it's more of a move for the future, which, again, you know, if the Eagles are really exploring this this type of move, what are they? Are they a team that's trying to win now, or is it a team that's trying to win for the future? Because, you know, stuff I'm reading this week, you know, Big V getting the start, it's like, well, they, they want to see what they have in the draft pick. He might not be the best lineman, but they want to see what they have. And and Carson Wentz needs the start because they need to see what they have. And So what are you trying to do? Are you winning now or not winning now? That's what I can't figure out. Four and two, you're winning now. Yeah, I just, I look at this as, they're, you know, they're trying to make a move because they've now they've just come to the conclusion that their receivers aren't good enough. And if this kid has, hang on, newsflash. <laughs> no, I know. Does that, Jeffrey I mean, Lurie not listen to the Brotherly Love podcast? Does your yeah, boy, I mean, the former janitor <laughs> Howie Roseman, not listen to the Brotherly Love podcast? I mean, did you did you really just utter the words? They've come to the conclusion. Yeah, I guess I did. I'm about to curse on the air right, for the first right, time in the history right, of the Brotherly right. Love podcast. Please rephrase that statement. All right, I will rephrase it. But the Eagles need another one <laughs> to bring this Thank team you. into another class. And I heard they were kind of targeting Jeffrey more than Tory Smith. The problem is that Jeffrey is a free agent next year. No. So I think the only way they pull the trigger is if they can get a commitment and a guarantee that he will sign with he them He ain't doing term. that. There's no way he's doing that. He'd be dumb to commit. Never. Why, though? Why? Because who knows what another team will offer him, including a better chance to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even talking money. There's teams yeah. that are more equipped to win the Super Bowl now. You're telling me the Green Bay Packers were going to uh, throw the same amount of money at Alshon Jeffrey that the that Eagles now? would. But why would they do that? They have a good receiving court. The teams that don't have good receivers aren't aren't really ready. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think they could. All right, who would you let me? I'm gonna ask you the question you asked me. Who do you want? What would you give up? Uh, I probably want Alshon Jeffrey more because I think he's got a better. He's had better numbers and he's a better receiver than Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith comes at a cheaper price, and as far as what I give up. I would not give up anything higher than a third or fourth round pick. For which one? one? For either one? I think yeah. you can get Torrey Smith for a third or fourth round. I don't think you're touching Alshon Jeffrey for anything lower 
or higher, I should say, than a second rounder. Yeah, but here's the deal. He's probably going to leave in free agency. So if you don't trade him, he doesn't want that's to play right. That's the bear. That's the Bears' problem. You know, that's how they should be looking I, I, at it. They should be looking well, at it like, right. oh well, I right. wouldn't. I wouldn't bend over backwards and take it from another NFL team if I was the Bears' GM. Wouldn't do it. Yeah, but if you look at receivers that have gotten traded, nobody, even decent receivers, like when Anquan Bone got traded after you know the run to the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers got him for a fifth round pick. Man, I don't know. Yeah, That's it's good it. fodder. I'm sure the I'm sure the airways in Philadelphia are loving it. Yeah, there's a new lineup too. I just want to fill you in. We have Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie are now the afternoon show on WIP. No more Mike and Ike. Ike Reese has moved to the late afternoon or the mid-afternoon show, and uh, they don't know who he's going to fill in with full-time. But how about that? Well, look, Michael Barkan, I've told you this before, is not a talk show host, all right? He is a studio host. Yeah. Period. He's not opinionated enough. He's got no personality. He's he's past the buck guy. He is the distributor. When he sat there on Daily News Live and let Conklin talk and then Marcus Hayes talk and Rich Hoffman talk and he just shut up, he was at least tolerable. But when he stuck his nose into everything, he became annoying. And then he ended up on WIP. I have no idea who he had photos of, but it was a train wreck. (laughs) And Ike Reese is too nice to tell him to shut up. I would have been doing it the whole time. (laughs) By the way, Josh Ennis landed in Houston. I'm sure you saw that. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's back on one of uh, a competitor of one of the stations he was at before he went to Philly. Oh, boy. As the sports radio industry turns, my friend. All right, you've got a rant, then I've got a rant. Uh, Mine's not probably as powerful or as locally touching as yours. So I'm just going to start. Dear God, National Football League, get rid of ties. Ties are brutal. Ask Major League Baseball. And they're all-star game. I have no idea why the National Football League still has ties in place. Donovan McNabb didn't even know it was a freaking rule eight years ago or whatever it was. For the love of God, Roger Goodell, take the ties out of football. I know you don't want to play, you know, 18 quarters worth of football. Guys are going to get their brains smashed in. I get it. But for like four times a year, the games go to overtime. Can we please find a way to end it? Even if it's a freaking field goal kicking contest from midfield after after the overtime is scoreless. Just give me something. Give me the, the you know hockey's version of the shootout in the NFL. Hail Marys, for Christ's sake. Give me something. That 6-6 tie on Sunday night football, Cardinals, Seahawks, was the most embarrassing thing on the planet. All right, I'm done with ties in the NFL. That's my rant. John Mita, real quick before your rant, who would you rather be this week? Chandler Catnazero, whatever his name is, or Steven Hauschka, the Seahawks kicker? Both guys blew it, chip shot field goals to win it for their team. Who would you rather be this week? Uh, it's rough being the kicker, especially when it goes down like that. I would say neither. <laughs> I'd rather. I think I'd rather be the Cardinals guy, Cat Nazaro, whatever his name is, because right. at least right. no, no, because at least Hauska got him off the hook by missing his kick. Yeah, yeah. you know that's true. That's a good. But point. yeah, it's the uh, it's that's a battle of the tallest midget at the circus right there. All right, brother, you're up. Go ahead. And the good news is. I, 
I was at a Halloween attraction, so I didn't get to see that miserable oh. game. I looked at my phone and said, oh, my God, 3-3 three, three headed into overtime? you got to be kidding me. By, yeah. by the way, by the way yeah. you knocked off my undefeated fantasy team this week by, like, .7 or something crazy. No. I yeah. didn't even realize that. Yeah. Well, last I night I needed – I needed one one or two more plays from the Denver offense against your Texans D. I'm talking like another 20 yards or another field goal, and I probably would have snuck out a win I had no business being in in the first place. But your boy yeah. DeAndre Hopkins did just enough, and the Texans D did just enough. And I think it just beat me by up. like one point. So down Come goes on. down goes the un, previously undefeated high stinky cheese. Uh. <laughs> Well, D-Bird, he's in, a, in my league, too, and he's got DeAndre Hopkins. And going into the game, get this, Joe. He's down three points, 89-86. He goes, what do you think? I said, man, Denver's defense. He's like, oh, we got this in the bag. I'm like, yeah, but Brock Osweiler's been playing like crap and blah, blah, blah. And I said, it could be tough. And that last catch that he made tied the score. And in our fantasy league, if it goes to a tiebreaker, the tie that you speak of, it goes on who has higher bench points. Oh, I like that. Higher be- yeah, so Danny had higher bench points for the week, so he snuck out a victory. I like That's that crazy. bench points. I never heard that before. Yeah. All right, get into your rant, brother. I know you're fired up from Sunday. Oh, God. My rant on Sunday. I want to talk about the Philadelphia Police Department. And it's nothing to do with how they protect and serve the citizens of Philadelphia. What it has to do with is how lousy and terrible they are at directing traffic <laughs> on game day. It is an embarrassment. The way that I saw these officers speak to people, it was an absolute disgrace, Joe. As you know, you know where we park, the Jetro parking lot. We're literally at Citizens Bank Park, okay, at 10 a.m. Okay, there's no signage anywhere that says if you're not in the right lane, you won't be able to make a right. We try to go up. We wait 30 minutes. We're trying to make a right. I show the officer our parking pass. I don't care if you got a pass. You got to go in the entrance. You're not making a right. Unbelievable. And you've never it's had this just, problem before in how many years? Since I've been there. Right. But in the last two years, the Philadelphia Police Department directing traffic, they're overtime. They need to just hire traffic cops. It is a joke. The way the patterns that they direct people, they screw things up royally. Then we try to get in the other entrance, okay? Another 25 minutes. I said, Keith, you better pull a U-turn. Some other cop, poor old people, wanted to get a lot. He screamed in front of him, jumped in front of the car. You're not making a right turn in here. It's just an embarrassment. It took us 55 minutes to go less than a quarter of a mile. 55 minutes. And we're not like it's talking like it's not like game. The game was like 1230. You're down there at 10 a.m. At 10 a.m. That's valuable tailgating time, my friend. They owe you. They, it was an absolute joke. So then after they just ruined our tailgate, yeah. so to speak. Ruined it. It got, even, it got even worse when we got to the suite section, which we've been airing for 14 years. We get up there. It's 1135. 11, or, no, I'm sorry. It's 1235, and the security line is out. It's bonkers. It's out the wazoo. Now they have metal detectors. They don't even have to wand you anymore, which always took some more time. And there was like 300 people in line 
because they were at the wrong entrance. They thought that they could get in anywhere. Oh, they're only accepting club level. Yeah, people, read your ticket. Find out where your entrance is. And you have nobody from security taking a stand and tell these people where these idiots need to go. Yeah, they don't I care. was so fired up. It was a joke. I I was so mad. I've never been that more fired up going into a football game. I literally, my blood was boiling. <laughs> but I, and then I just I let it out on the stupid Minnesota Vikings fan that had the audacity, the audacity to walk up into our section with a Darren Sharper, that's right, Darren Sharper, Minnesota Vikings jersey. And people don't know the story behind Darren Sharper. He's the guy that played safety for the Green Bay Packers. Damn good Minnesota safety, Vikings, yeah. New, New Orleans Saints, a Pro Bowl safety, maybe, you know, little hall consideration. Well, it turns out he raped like 30 girls in 10 different states. And this guy's wearing his jersey. Well, you know, I let him know that he was an absolute jackass. <laughs> and then he ended up leaving in the second quarter. So that kind of made my bet. Got a guy. Scare him out, Johnny right. Mita. Scare him out. All right. NBA all right, season started tonight. World Series is underway. And all we're talking about is the birds, the birds, and the bird security. Yeah. yeah, apparently LeBron James, somebody told me, he had the worst pregame ring speech. He said, if you're not in Cleveland, you should probably just die. Way to go, LeBron. Another great speech. Almost as good as McNabb, number five, will always love you, speech. Good <laughs> Lord. Anyway. All right, brother. Let's get on out of here. You got it. Have a great time this weekend, my friend. Go Birds down in Big D. And, That's uh, it, man. It would be a great weekend just to be number one in the division. I would love it. I love it. SoundCloud.com, iTunes. Appreciate all the love. Hit us up on Twitter, at Podcast. Just stream of conscious. That's how we're rolling these days. Talking birds, getting it in, getting it in. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Till next time, see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 